Well, today we're in part two of a sermon series entitled God With Us. And what we are doing is we are looking at different ways that we can encounter the presence of God through the different seasons of life. And our main text, our main verse, I like to think of it as an anchor. How many know that in life you need an anchor? And I like to think of this verse as an anchor that holds us secure through the different seasons of life. And that anchor verse comes from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where it says, The virgin, virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, come on, say it together, God with us. How many know that seasons are transitory? They are passing moments. Just this morning, I wake up, I go outside, and at that time, it was 21 degrees. And I'm like, man, this is cold. And I'm sitting in the car trying to warm it up. Thank God for seats that heat. How did we ever go through life? Someone said, Pastor, I told, I told someone the other day, I said, I would never buy a car unless it had heated seats. They said, I'll never own a car if it doesn't have a heated steering, steering wheel. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, just hold fast, because seven months from now, it'll be hot and humid. Yes. Seasons are transitory. They come and they go. But what I've realized about seasons is that they are forever recorded in the memory sticks of our mind. And as those memories are replayed, we realize that our life is not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not some Hollywood script. But as your mind replays the journey of life, all of a sudden you realize life is real. And there have been moments when you can recall about living life in a valley. Those low places. When we think of a valley, it's a metaphor for a low place or, or perhaps a time in life when you have felt trapped and there's no way out. Last week, Pastor Jamal talked about life in the valley and how we can experience God's presence with us in the valley and reminded us that our, in the valley, we, our strength comes from God. Valleys are only temporary. Amen. They don't let, even though we pass through the valley of the shadow that we pass through, they're only temporary. And that in the valley, you always have to make room for God's provisions. Now, that's what Pastor Jamal shared with us last week. When we replay the memories of our journey, we don't like to hang out in the memories of the valley, do we? We want to hang out on those mountaintop experiences. Those times where we're happy and joyous and life is good. They're the memories we want to fill our life with. The mountaintop experience. But can I remind you of something about the mountaintop? Did you know on mountains, 
there's a growth line. On mountains, there's a growth line where above a certain elevation, guess what? Nothing grows. And as much as we want mountaintop experiences, we have to remember that after a certain elevation, not much grows. We may enjoy the mountaintop experiences and we may rejoice in them, but we experience him intimately in the valleys. Now, there are other metaphors that the Bible uses to explain the journeys and the seasons of life. Another metaphor is that of the wilderness. I don't know about you, but when I think about the wilderness, I think of right after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And there in Scripture, we read how God spared him of the wild animals. When I think of the wilderness experiences, I think of something wild. I, I think of something, those dangerous times in life. Those, those times in life where we have felt fear, panic, anxiety. Or perhaps a wilderness experience has, has been a time where you haven't had any purpose in life. And you have just been wandering. Well, next week, Pastor Matt is going to address storms. I have been given the desert, the desert, the dry, hot, sunny, sand, but no ocean. When you think of the desert, I don't know what you think about, but I think of a very dry place, a desolate place. A place where you perhaps feel alone. A place where you see a mirage and you think it's water and it's only an optical illusion. Disappointments. Not much plant life. Where you start to lose hope. Have you ever been in a desert in your journey of life. It was around the late 80s that um, Heather and I, Heather experienced a miscarriage. And it was just a devastating time for us. And then shortly after, I was called to the district office and I was being interviewed to be a candidate for the New Jersey District Youth Director's position. And had to go through this long process, this whole long interview and ordeal. And finally, me and two others, were the three, were nominated to, to be elected to, to hold the position of the New Jersey District Youth Director that Fabian Calapooch holds now. And during that season, um, it, it was one where my presbyter, my Northeast presbyter, basically told me, and he shouldn't have, basically said the other two candidates are pastors and because you serve on the district youth committee you know you might as well just pack your bags and and get ready because you'll be the next New Jersey district youth leader and I mean we are we're you know from one low to a, a mountaintop man we are just you know all my bags are packed I'm ready to leave well it came district council and the elections came 
And I came in a distant second. And Dave Greco won. I remember going up to my hotel room at the Flanders and just laying on the bed. Have you ever felt forgotten by God? That's the desert. I just felt like, God, you've forgotten me. And on top of this miscarriage, and now just being feeling forgotten, I remember one day wandering around. Remember the days before the internet when we actually had brick and mortar stores? Remember Christian bookstores? There's a Christian bookstore in, in, uh, right around the Willowbrook Mall. And as I was just going around that bookstore looking at different books, the title of the book will describe to you my desert experience. As I was looking at different books, this is what book attracted me. It's a book written by David Wilkerson. And the title was, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? It's a book that actually is coming apart <laughs> in all ways. But I'm sure that there are times in your life that your life could be like that of a desert where you feel alone. Hope is lost. Deserts come in many shapes and forms. A desert could be a place of despair and desperation. A desert could be a place of heat and exhaustion. A desert could be a place of unquenchable thirst where you're just longing and it's not happening. And A desert for me was defeated dreams, lost hope. Shattered ambitions, destroyed goals, abolished aspirations. It seemed like all was lost for others. The desert may be financial frustrations or family failures. It may be emotional hardships or mental anguish or depressive reflections. But I want you to know that no matter where you may find yourself or where you have been, God always has a word for someone in the desert. Where do I get that from? Psalm 63. Here is how Psalm 63 is titled in my Bible. A Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Thank God for Psalms 63, because God gives to us someone who has been there before us, and God gives us a word for those in the desert. Now let me just explain what's taking place of how David got in the desert. David was living the lap of luxury. David was enjoying great success, victories. But now we find him in the desert. How in the world did David go from the palace to the desert? 
Well, David at this time had been forced to evacuate Jerusalem. Absalom, the king's very own son, led a revolt against his daddy. A messenger came to David and said, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And it says that David fled the palace. He started to ascend the the hill of Mount Olives. And scripture says that he was weeping, his head was covered, and his feet were bare. Now why were his feet bare? Because it showed how quickly he had to flee the palace. He didn't even have time to put on his Nikes. He was headed towards the desert. Now, to make matters worse, there was a fellow by the name of Shimei. Ever hear of Shimei before? Shimei was following David, throwing stones and dirt and cursing at him. To make matters worse. And Scripture says that when they got... They're their place, David and those who were with him. They were exhausted. And in the second Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, we read this commentary. The people have become hungry, tired, and thirsty in the desert. Now, it's upon this experience that as David reflects in his mind that desert experience, he writes Psalms 63. So that's the background to Psalm 63. So what word does God have for those who are in the desert? In the desert... David writes, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in this sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory. What does this say to me? This says that you can have a spiritual encounter in the desert. Why? Because God is with us. In the desert, he's not focused upon his problem and his pain and his difficulty, but in the desert, in his loneliness, who does he seek after? His search is for God. And you see, what we have to remember, it's not so much where we are, but whose we are. Not so matter much of a matter of where we are. But there in the desert, David remembered whose he was. 
And through the seasons of life, if you can focus on who you are instead of where you are, who you belong to, I want you to know that even though you may be in a valley, you can have victory. Even though you may be in the wilderness, you can have his wisdom. Even though you may be in a storm, you can have his strength. And even though you may be in the desert, you have his divinity. I love this so much. He hasn't lost sight of who he belonged to. Oh God, what does he say? You are my God. He's not focused on his problem. He's not focused on the place. He's not focused on the, plan, the pain. He's focused on who his God is. And he's saying, I need you. I long for you. I thirst for you. My body long. Now, listen. If you don't get anything else, please get this. David says, I have seen you, that's past tense, in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. This is what I derive from this. It was David's past experiences in the sanctuary. It was David's past experiences in the sanctuary. It was David every Sabbath going to the sanctuary, praising God, worshiping God, that equipped him for his desert experience. Sometimes you may wonder, why do I go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? Because it prepares you for who knows what lies ahead. His experience in the sanctuary prepared him. Seeing God's power and glory in the sanctuary equipped him that when he was in a dry, thirsty place, he knew God was ever present. God is with us. Now, the Psalm 63 goes on and says, because your love, or in the King James, because of your loving kindness is, is better than life, my lips will Glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In, in your name I will lift up my hands. My, my soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods. I guess he came Friday night to our banquet. And feasted at the dessert table. Thank you for all the ladies that did. I mean, it was outstanding. And with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. As I was going through this psalm, the first two verse was about seeking. And as David sought, he now finds satisfaction with God in a dry, lonely place. His search fulfilled the longing and the thirsting. David recognized the power and the glory, and now he's singing the power and the glory. 
David recognized that no matter where he may be, he's not focused once again on his circumstance. He's focused on, Lord, your loving kindness, your love is better than anything this life has to offer. And even though I'm in this dry, thirsty place, your love satisfies my soul. You see, what happens so many times with us, we focus so much on our circumstance that we forget about the one who provides. So here's David. As his thirst is satisfied in the desert because of his focus on the love and the loving kindness of God. I, I see this man not governed by his circumstances or his conditions. Once again, he's like Peter and, and Silas in the midnight hour singing praises to God. Here is David in the desert just singing praises to the Lord because your loving kindness, Lord, is, is better than life and it doesn't matter where I am or what's taking place or what has happened. As long as I focus on your love and, and your kindness, my, my lips will, will glorify you. My, my mouth will praise you. I will lift up my hands in your name. And my mind will be at ease. And my soul will find peace. And I will take rest in your comfort because you are with me. That's the word God has for us through the seasons of life. How David sang in the desert and praised is only a result of him searching. And that searching came from the experience of being in the sanctuary. It goes on to say in, in verses 6 through 8, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your... Catch that? I sing in the shadow. In order for there to be a shadow, there has to be light. And a shadow is something that casts from something that is near. What's David saying? I will sing in the shadow of your wings. I know that you're close to me. And because you're close to me, David says, I will what? Stay close to you. Because your right hand upholds me. In the deserts of life. We need to take time to remember all that God has done for us. And we need to think or meditate through the watches. Now, what do you think David was thinking about? Maybe perhaps David was thinking about, Lord, I, I remember that time when I was watching my father-in-law's sheep. And you gave me the strength to kill the bear and the lion and protect those sheep you gave me. Lord, I, I remember the time when you gave me the strength to slay Goliath. 
Lord, I I remember the time when you gave me help and self-control and safety when Saul was searching after me and wanting to kill me. I remember the times when I've been hungry and you fed me. You are a magnificent, wonderful God. And even though I know I'm in the desert, you will provide streams of loving kindness and comfort for me. Because you're with me. You're my help. How has the Lord helped you? I started to think of the times, man, that as I replayed some of the memories of valleys and wilderness and storms and deserts, I saw how through each one God provided, God cared, and God gave more intimacy. And yeah, I I like to dwell upon the mountaintops, but all my spiritual growth have come through the valleys and the wilderness and the deserts of life. So as David searches for God, and that search lends to satisfaction, and there he remembers and he meditates upon the story of God in his life, We come to the conclusion in Psalms 9 through 11. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They who go down, they will go down to the depths of the earth. They they will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. What is David saying here? He's talking about the safety he has with God. What led him to the desert? The revolt of the people who had turned against him. As I was meditating on Psalm 63, here's our human nature. Verse 1 would have been, Get those who seek my life, Lord. Get those who seek my life. Instead of seeking God, we're seeking our own comfort first. And finally, here towards the end, David mentions his enemies. I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's revenge. I don't think it's anger. But David is just stating a fact here. David is stating a fact That those who are after him, it's not that they're waging war against him. They are waging war against God because they are trying to touch God's anointed. Did you know the scripture verse, touch not thou the anointed of the Lord? And David knew the battle is not his, the battle is the Lord's. And as they came after the anointed, David knew that his God would strike them down. And not only strike them down, but the, 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 the metaphor of the jackal. The jackal is the scavenger. 
after the bigger animals have come and picked the flesh, the jackals are the ones who get the leftover. What's David saying? There's not going to be a single thing left of my enemies. As he reflects upon whose he is in the midst of the desert. And then something very interesting. For the first time in this uh, passage. But the king. David finally acknowledges who he is. But the king. The king is in the desert. He's been forced to vacate the city and the throne. But David is still what? King. His relationship to God has not been altered. His place in God's kingdom has not been revoked. Though you may find yourself in a valley or in a storm or in a wilderness or in the desert, it doesn't change your relationship of who you are with God. You're still his child. But the king will rejoice. Let us rejoice and praise his name. Listen. When you're in a valley, you need a verse. When you're in a storm, you need a scripture. When you're in the wilderness, you need a word. When you're in the desert, you need a declaration that you are a loved child of God, and he's not done with you yet. He hasn't forgotten you. He is with you. You need a word to direct. You need a word to correct. You need a word to comfort. And you need a word to strengthen through the seasons of life. I don't know about you, but without this, I'm lost. Emmanuel. God with us. Through the deserts. Through the valleys. Through the wilderness. And through the storms. Oh, how we need him. Would you bow your heads with me?